And good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining me this uh, this evening. Uh, this is episode two of the John Kirkland Show. I'm going to get into so many different things I didn't really get a chance to get into last week, but I'm going to get into it today. Also, I'm also going to break down some of the fights that happened uh, this past weekend. So we're going to get into it, and I'm going to give you my perspective on it. And so let's get going. I'm going to start off with college football today. I kind of want to switch it up a little bit. It's bowl season, and I didn't too much agree with the college football rankings in terms of the top four teams in college football. I didn't, I didn't really agree with it. I had some good points as to why I disagreed with it. And one of the reasons is, is that when you look at the at-large bids, when you look at some of the at-large teams, some of the teams that are maybe ranked number five, maybe six, maybe seven, and they have a one loss as compared to some of the top four teams that have maybe a one loss or so. How do you dictate them being in the top four when they lost? I just don't understand that when you have a team who's undefeated at maybe seven or eight, they should be moving up. And at best, you got them at five and the team that lost, you still got them at four. I don't understand the logic in that. And then I heard the committee say they look at different things, strength of schedule. Um, you know, they look at the fact that when you had your schedule, did you how did you guys fare when you guys were down by a large, large lead, so on and so forth. So to me, I just disagree with that because you look at teams like Notre Dame. Well, they're not going to get the favorable schedule because they have an independent schedule. And so they're, they may not be able to get the LSUs, the Alabamas, the Ohio States and Michigans and, and, and teams of that nature uh, due to the fact that those teams already have other schedules or they're playing maybe other teams. So it's hard to have an independent schedule and pack everything on on your on your schedule. So my issue is, is that what about the teams like Fresno State who play in the WAC conference? I mean, the. I'm sorry. They play in they play in a different conference, rather. And so why is it that they don't get a chance if they have a, you know, one loss record? And it's because they don't play in the, in the top conference, even in the Pac-12. If you're not undefeated. It, it's, it's not going to happen. They're going to say, well, you didn't play a favorable schedule. My issue is, I'm sorry, uh, just not to backtrack, but. Um, Fresno State is uh, Mountain West Conference. I, mean, I, I didn't mean to say Matt. Anyway, so back to the Pac-12. So Pac-12, it's like if you don't play um, the top tier teams, guess what? You don't have a favorable schedule. So you're going to be outside of that bubble that's in the top four. So right now the biggest conferences, you have the Big Ten, maybe the Big 12, definitely the SEC. But it's like, well, where does the Pac-12 stand at? And the thing about these conferences that people got to really understand is that you only get three conference, non-conference games. And so that matters. So between the three non-conference games and your regular season games, you got to win them all. If you don't win them all, guess what? You're not playing for the championship. Simple as that. But I don't like that idea because if you have four one-loss teams, why do they get to stay in the top four? How is it that a person that number one loses – drops down to number four when you're going to move up the next two between one, two, and three. I just don't like the way the committee does it. Anyway, 
this Friday, uh, December 17th, I'm actually next Friday, sorry. Next Friday, December 17th, bowl season starts. That's going to be the Bahamas Bowl, uh, Middle Tennessee State and Toledo. You have the uh, Tail Greeter Cure Bowl. Uh, that's going to be Northern Illinois against Coastal Carolina. And then on Saturday, you got a slate of games. Uh, you got the RoofClaim.com, uh, Ratton Bowl, uh, Western Kentucky against Appalachian State. You got UTEP versus Fresno State in the Mobile New, or in the Mobile uh, New Mexico Bowl. You got UAB and BYU on the Independence Bowl. You got Eastern Michigan and Liberty in the Lending Tree Bowl. You have Utah State and Oregon State in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. They're coming up with just any old bowl. I don't understand. Uh, Louisiana and Marshall. Louisiana was very good this year. Louisiana versus Marshall. Uh, and then you also have uh, Old Dominion versus uh, Tulsa on Monday night in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Now, if you look at some of these teams that I just I just named, you look at the top offenses in college football. And in, and in college football, if you look at it, I just mentioned West Kentucky is going to be playing Appalachian State in the RoofClean.com Bowl. But Western Kentucky does have the number two offense in all of in all of football. Virginia has a number three. Ole Miss has four and Pittsburgh has five. That's interesting. That is very, very interesting. On the, on the defensive side of the ball, you got Wisconsin, Georgia, Oklahoma State, Minnesota, and Air Force have the top defenses in all of college football. That's the interesting thing. Also, the top five recruiting classes for 2022, just so for everybody to know, so there's no dispute on who's getting their recruit on, who's bringing in the talent. Uh, number one is Georgia. Number two, Alabama, Texas A&M is three, Ohio State is four, and Notre Dame is five. So Notre Dame is still cooking with some good players coming in at number five, even though they lost Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly is now with um, LSU. So I, I just think that Notre Dame is still going to probably maintain what they have. Uh, Georgia is, is, is still going to be loaded, even with their success. They're going to be playing for the championship. And I just think that it's going to be Georgia and Alabama again, the same teams that you saw for the SEC championship game. It's going to be a rematch of that. Uh, Texas A&M still, still hanging around there, still getting talent, still bringing teams, I mean, still bringing players in. Ohio State, that's no secret. They're going to keep getting loaded, quarterbacks, wide receivers, so on and so forth. And that's your 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 college football. Also, let's let's get to this NBA stuff. Let's let's get to the NBA. Now, I know that you got Golden State. Obviously, they're playing really well. Um, they're right now the best team in the Western Conference. And then you have the Phoenix Suns, Utah Jazz, and believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, the Memphis Grizzlies are at four. And L.A. Clippers are at five. The Lakers are are down there. I don't understand what the problem is because right now they're shooting uh, 46% ninth and field goal percentage sixth among the Western Conference. LeBron James is averaging 25 in 12 games, and Anthony Davis is averaging 24 points, 35 minutes. So he's averaging a double-double. My opinion with the Lakers, before I get into the Eastern Conference teams, my my opinion with the Lakers is, is simple. It's very, very simple. 
is I think we traded the farm for one pig. And it's no disrespect to Russell Westbrook, but it seems as if we're going backwards instead of going forwards. So it seemed, you know, we were pretty competitive throughout the season last year with Kuzma and some of the players we had. Then we traded them all away and we're going backwards. It's almost like we're one of the laughing stocks of the NBA, which I didn't on paper. That's not the way we look. But the way we're performing just does not match the way that, you know, we should be looking. So hopefully I'm looking forward to the trade deadline. I'm looking forward to LeBron getting healthier. I'm looking for some kind of, you know, uh, continuity amongst the team. And hopefully the Lakers can get it together. That's actually my team. So I'm, I'm a little embarrassed even talking about it. Uh, I also want to throw out their top five in the East. You got the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Chicago Bulls, Milwaukee Heat, and Washington. Brooklyn Nets still staying relevant. Chicago, the second best team in the East. Am I surprised? Absolutely not. Um, they got good overnight um, and they committed themselves to winning and they brought in significant talent to do that. And they did a tremendous job in doing that. And so are they the number two team? Do they deserve to be number two? Sure. Absolutely. They're playing, they're playing ball right now. Let's get into this boxing. I am being almost pressured to do this. And so let me get into this, this boxing stuff. And I'm going to take a little time on it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to take, take a little time. Let's start with um, the Javante Tank Davis fight this past weekend. I don't know if everyone's had the opportunity to watch it. It was on pay-per-view. It was actually on... Sunday, and then the Devin Haney fight was actually on Saturday. So I'll start with Devin Haney. Um, <clears throat> the first thing I'm, I'm going to say about Devin Haney is the one thing we got to realize about boxing is that it doesn't matter about how you come out, how you start. It's how you finish. And as far as I'm concerned, watching the fight, I thought Devin Haney fought a great fight. Uh, I thought Jojo Diaz had some moments in the fight, but I, I think overall, decisively, um, I didn't feel Jojo came. I don't feel that Jojo was the hungry Jojo Diaz when he first, when he won the title. I don't think so. I don't think, and then he, I, I believe he lost his belt on the on the scale. But my point is, is that I did not see that hungry Jojo Diaz. I didn't see it. And I think had we saw that, um, maybe the fight would have been a little bit more closer than what it was, but we just we just didn't see it. But nevertheless, Devin Haney came out there and he did what he was supposed to do. He got the victory, he got the win. Um, I even scored the fight. Uh, I don't have the scores with me at the moment, but did I think Devin Haney won the fight? Was it close? No, I don't. I think that Devin Haney controlled the fight, controlled the pace of the fight. And um, but I saw some moments from Jojo Diaz, but I just felt Devin. I thought Devin proved himself Saturday night to be one of the one of the worthy opponents um, at 135. And I don't see how Cambosis does not want to fight uh, Devin Haney. I don't. Um, you got a, a hungry guy, the WBC champion. Y'all can unify. It can be one of the biggest fights in 2022. Um, I know that Devin Haney was saying that it was hard for him to make weight at 135, and he preferred to 
move up to 140, but he can still make 135 if it makes sense. So at some point, he's going to be moving up. Uh, Tiafimo Lopez has already moved up, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to 140 pounds. So there's fights to be made uh, in the near future, but I, I think that um, Cambosis is going to have to fight somebody. He can't, you know, this is not a sweepstakes. Well, I'm scouting Devin Haney. I'm, I'm, I'm scouting uh, whoever, you know, because I want to I want to fight. And I, I just feel like that's not the way that's not the way things are done. That's not that is not the way things are done. I feel like at the end of the day, you have to fight either your mandatory or, or give the fans what they want to see. They want to see Devin Haney or they want to see Javante Tank Davis. Outside of that, nobody wants to see Ryan Garcia. I don't want to see him. He's not even active. Uh, he's a YouTube guy. Um, you know, he hasn't fought in a year, and he's already saying he want to fight for the championship. He, I don't think so. That's not the way it works. So that's my my opinion. Uh, but I do think that Devin Haney would be the more worthy. Um, the reason why I didn't bring up Tank and say Tank would be the more worthy is because um, I think that uh, Mayweather promotions, and I feel like Tank, they're going in a different direction. Um, I don't think they have any plans to even stay at 135, to be honest with you. But if Cambosis wanted to make that fight with Javante, I think that, you know, that fight would get done ASAP. Um, and then I, 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 I keep hearing this, too. I keep I keep hearing hearing a lot of this this mess um, with uh, Floyd Mayweather talking about Canelo and, and all of that and saying Canelo is handpicking his opponents and, and all of that. But see, what, what we must remember is that uh, Floyd did it too because he earned the right to do that. He earned the right to do that as well. Now, I'm pretty sure, you know, Mayweather had to fight some of the mandatories, but he, he did as well. So he can't look down on Canelo for doing that. But I feel like Canelo is not ducking anybody. I feel like Canelo's trying to make history. You know, he's trying to maybe unify the cruiserweight division. You know, he's fighting for the title at the cruiserweight division. Um, he already fought, I think it was light heavyweight already, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And he won two titles there, beat Kovalev and Rocky Fielder. So, I mean, he's he's doing things that other fighters are not willing to do. And I think he's taking so much risk. But the argument is, look at his reward. You can't be mad at somebody who's trying to do that. He's a great fighter. And nobody's saying that, oh, you know, Canelo's easy work but Floyd. But Floyd's the only one that really fought him, too. You know, who else that Floyd has fought that's going to fight Canelo right now? Nobody's going to fight this man right now. If you're not a mandatory you're not going to fight Canelo Alvarez. And if you do, you got a belt. You got something that's worthy for him to fight you. He's he's earned the right to dictate how who he wants to fight. He's already champ. He already unified. He did that. He did what he felt he wanted to do, and he can. He could do anything he wants in the sport. If you want to move up and unify, at, at, you know, you can. Um, But I, I, I agree with Floyd in terms of, uh, people dogging out Javante Davis because they're, you know, they're trying to take whatever personal feelings they have towards Floyd. They're doing that to uh, Javante Davis. I, I, I believe that too. I don't believe that Tank is getting his his um, his due. But then at the same time, it's like you can't get upset about the pound for pound rankings. 
Okay, I do believe Tank is number two um, as far as pound for pound rankings, and Canelo has to be number one. You 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 just you you can't say Tank is above Canelo right now. I I just I I I, I love Tank. That's that's my dog. I just I just can't give him that number one crown right now. You know, just on the fact that Canelo is just dominating the sport right now. So that's 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 my personal opinion. But I I feel like you know Floyd is given. Uh, I feel like Floyd is giving um, Canelo a lot of issue because, you know, pound for pound list, they got him at number one and maybe he feel tank should be number one. So hopefully in the near future and hopefully with all the fights that and maybe some plans that they have in 2022, um, you know, maybe we can see tank again and, and, and see who he goes up against and just see what they come up with. Um, I also want to talk about Sean Porter. And the one thing that I respect Sean Porter on is the fact that I don't ever hear him tear down other fighters. I, I just don't, I don't hear him do that. Um, and I think that uh, it's jacked up some of the slander that I saw on social media about Sean Porter and, and this and that. As far as I'm concerned, he had a hell of a career, man. You know, the things he was able to accomplish at 147, because if you think about who was at the 147 mark, it, it's some dogs in that in that division. It's some dogs there. And what he's accomplished, I, I feel like this. At 147, you got to ask yourself at 147 with all those fires, Spence, Crawford, Thurman. I mean, the list goes on at 147. But just imagine you having to fight all those guys. Where do you where do you stand? Amongst those guys, you have to ask yourself. And no matter how you cut it up, I feel like Sean Porter is still number three at 147. Easy at number three. And the only reason why I'm saying he's number three is because Pacquiao at the time retired. Now, Pacquiao was still active. Then, you know, I, I would still say Sean Porter's three. I would still I would still say Sean Porter's three. I'm not going to I'm not going to backpedal on what I said. Um, but, you know, he, he had a he had a hell of a career and I'm glad that. He retired. Uh, now he can enjoy, you know, uh, I like listening to him on the broadcast because he was actually talking on the zone. So it was it was fun to, to, to hear him speak and, and, you know, listen to his knowledge about uh, boxing. Uh, Ryan Garcia. Uh, listen, do us all a favor, man, and, and just get a fight. Fight somebody because you're you're, you're talking all this crap about. You know, uh, your social media following and all. Nobody takes you seriously, man. That's why you can't get a fight because nobody takes you seriously. Fight somebody and then let's 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 conversate. Do I think Floyd does not want to fight Ryan Garcia? Meaning, will he let Tank fight Ryan Garcia? I'm not saying he won't and I'm not saying he will. I'm saying that it comes down to what makes sense. If people get on YouTube and they listen to Leonard Ellaby, listen to what he's saying, he's saying things without saying it. He's saying things without saying it. You can't price yourself out. No, Javante's not going to call out fighters. For what? Because you see a lot of these other fighters, they call out fighters, and guess what? Those fights never get done. Those fights never, those fights never get made. So I just think that fighters shouldn't be calling fighters out. It just it doesn't make sense. And I feel like what Tank is doing is he's not pricing himself out because what's going to happen is, is that when you call fighters out and you don't fight them, guess what they're going to say? Oh, you're ducking them now. 
you're doing this, you're doing that. Nah, don't do that. Don't put yourself in that in that situation. The WBC has ordered Fury to fight against Dylan White. Uh, how do I feel about that? I don't think that it makes sense for Fury right now. And I'm going to tell you why. Because he fought Deontay Wilder three times. Okay. And two out of the three times he beat Deontay Wilder. Okay. And to me, I feel like that is worthy enough to fight Yusek or Joshua. And I feel like they're going to give him an, a, a mandatory. And I understand why they're doing it because uh, Joshua and Yusek are going to fight. So, so what, what, what they tried to do was they tried to have Joshua move out the way so that they can fight Yusek. So, so Fury can fight Yusek. It, it didn't happen. So now Dylan White is going to get a chance to fight Fury. And I'll say this right now. I believe Fury's going to beat Dylan White because Fury is a he's a better he's just a better fighter. He's a well-skilled fighter. And if, Ty, if, if let's say Tyson loses. If Tyson loses is because he got outworked. That's it. You got to outwork Tyson Fury. And if you can do that you might you may have a chance, but if you can't, it doesn't matter. And he may knock you out. But I would say at this point, what I've seen three times from Tyson Fury, um, I would say Tyson Fury is going to be done white. I, I I'd have to say it. Um, it. It's inevitable. Now let's get to the NFL, and I'm gonna tell you right now. Looking at the AFC, it's a tight race. And I think we're going to see a lot of people on the bubble. But right now you have Buffalo, who has the number one offense. It's, I'm sorry, not the number one offense, but they have the number one defense in all of football. They're actually a seven seed at seven and five, along with Cincinnati at seven and five, and the Chargers are seven and five. The 49ers are playing at Cincinnati. Cincinnati has to win that game. Um, I believe if, if they don't, then I just think that it's going to be hard to even make um, the playoff berth because they're so far behind. Um, I also think that Buffalo needs to win as well because they're behind the eight ball at seven and five. I also think the Chargers have to do the same thing because they're behind the eight ball at seven and five. I do believe that uh, Casey got to continue to win. Same thing. A lot of these eight and four teams have to at least win twice uh, to kind of solidify their spot along with uh, New England. I think New England can do the same thing at their nine and four. They're the number one team at AFC right now. But at nine and four, they have to win at least two, get at least two victories, uh, at least to be 11 and four. In the NFC right now, the Cardinals are 10 and two. So far, they're. They're cooking right now, but I don't think that the Cardinals can afford a loss because with a, a Cardinals loss and a Green Bay win, I'm assuming that Green Bay will be number one because they've already beaten the Cardinals. So, see, that's how, you know, that's how tricky this is. Number three is Tampa Bay. They're nine and three. So if they lose to the Rams, who they will play this weekend, Let's say they lose to the Rams. They're nine and four with a Dallas win over Washington. 
now they're tied, but because Tampa beat Dallas, Tampa's okay, and they'll sit there at number three, but they will be tied with Dallas at nine and four. That is how tricky this is. And then also, if the Rams do beat Tampa Bay, now you're looking at a three-way tie between Tampa Bay, Dallas, and the Rams, all at nine and four. That's how tough this race is in the NFC. That's how tough this race is. It is going to be interesting. I think this week, this weekend, I think will dictate where you are from a seeding standpoint and whether or not uh, you make the playoffs or not. Because I think if you have the if you have six losses, it's really, really, really difficult uh, to make it. It's really, really difficult to make it. Um, if you're looking at Buffalo, like I said, Buffalo uh, is at Tampa Bay. Um, Buffalo's won two out of their last five, but they're four and two on the road. So they won four of their last six on the road. Uh, you got the Buccaneers are nine and three. They won three out of their last five games, but the Buccaneers are undefeated at home. They won, they won five consecutive ball games at home. So that's going to be a tough game. Giants at Chargers. I mentioned the Chargers earlier. They're at home. They have to get that win. The 49ers, uh, six and six, taking on the Bengals at seven and five. Uh, the 49ers, they need to get a win. They got to get a win on the road. If not, the Bengals will go ahead and be eight and five. And the Rams at the Cardinals, as I mentioned earlier, this is a big road. This is a big road game for the Rams. Uh, coming in at eight and four against the ten and two uh, Cardinals team, and they're expecting to have uh, Kyler Murray back uh, for the second straight week in a row. I also just wanted to tell you, just in this week, just with this week, week thirteen, the top defenses and the top offenses, uh, top ten uh, in week thirteen. Uh, you got the at number one for offense, you have the Cowboys, of course. At number two, you have Tampa Bay, KC at three, Baltimore at four, Rams at five, Minnesota at six, LA, LA Chargers at seven, Raiders at eight, Buffalo at nine, and Arizona at 10. And then in defense, you have Buffalo at one, Panthers at two, New England at three, Cleveland at four, Arizona at five, 49ers at six, Green Bay at seven, Denver at eight, Bears at nine, and Tampa Bay at 10. The interesting thing I think that the 49ers don't get credit for is that they have a top six defense to be six and six. That's not a bad football team over there with all their injuries and everything they're going through over there. And six and six is still have a top six defense. You got a lot of six and six teams. They have nothing. They're not even in the top 10 to do anything. That's an interesting stat. And it's the same thing with Cleveland. Cleveland is six and six, but they got the fourth ranked defense in all of football. Six and six. Interesting. These are like interesting stat lines. Oh, I forgot. Also, you got Denver. They're six and six. They have a top eight defense. The Raiders are six and six. They have a top eight offense. Interesting. So a lot of the six and six teams seem like they're in the top 10. It's funny in offense because the out of the top five, four out of the five are eight and four. The only one that's not eight and four is the Tampa Bay because they're at nine and three. That is very, 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 very interesting. Very interesting stat. And that lets you know how tough the NFC is. Very tough conference. Um, very, 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 very tough conference. I couldn't believe once I was 
looking at all that stuff, I couldn't believe how tough the uh, I couldn't believe how tough the NFC was. Um, and I'm, I'm going to talk about the Packers because I, I've been compelled to talk about the Packers. And here's what I don't understand. I, I do believe that the Packers are the team to beat in the NFC. I'll say that. They're the team to beat. Well, but what I don't understand is this. If you go back, and I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to give the fans a stat line here. In the last two NFC championship games, the Packers have rushed for over for minus 60. So basically under 60 yards rushing in both games. So my point is they think they can win the Super Bowl on 11 carries for 55 yards rushing. I don't think so. Not at all. Not at all. 55 yards rushing? No, not at all. I don't even think Tampa Bay can win if Fournette doesn't run over 100 yards. I don't think so. Not at all. Uh, I would say the Cowboys, the same thing. They can't win if Zeke doesn't have over 100 yards. Simple as that. Because the running game opens up the passing game. But I think where the Packers are going to come up short is, is that they're going to pass their way out of games. Meaning there's only going to be so much you can do offensively in terms of passing. When it, If you don't have no run game, uh-uh, it's not going to happen. I, I will say this, even with Buffalo, Buffalo doesn't have no run game either. Buffalo doesn't have no run game either. I looked at a stat about two or three weeks ago where the backup running back for Green Bay had more rushing yards than anybody on Buffalo's team. The backup, I thought that was really, really ridiculous. So just just letting everyone know, I will say this. I would say Green Bay, rightfully, because they're 9-3 and three, and because, um, you know, they found a way to win. They beat some really good football teams uh, in the uh, NFC. I, was, I would give them number one. I would give them number one. I would say at number two, I would say um, at number two, I would say Arizona would be number two for me. I would say Arizona would be number two. At number three, I, of course, it has to be Tampa Bay. I would say uh, Tampa Bay would be uh, number three for me. Um, no, And this is just NFC. This is just NFC. I would say at number four, the Rams. I will give them the nod at four, and then I will give Cowboys number five. So my top five rankings in the NFC right now will be Green Bay, Arizona, Tampa Bay, Rams, and Cowboys. I think those are the best five in the NFC right now. So that's 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 my top five as far as um, right now, wins versus losses, whatever. That's my top five. Thank you, everyone, for joining me on my podcast, The John Kirkland Show. This is episode two. I'm glad you can join me. Uh, join me every week, uh, every Tuesday. Um, we're going to go into sports. We're going to really dig into this thing. I'm actually going to talk about, you. I, well, you want to be with me next week. Um, I'm going to start breaking down uh, for the next, I would say, we got 30, what is it, 32 teams? 
So for 32 weeks, I will take one team and break and break it down from a cap standpoint, draft pick standpoint, and you know, just look at the free agency and just really kind of dial in with the teams and kind of give my perspective on, you know, the team need, what to do with your draft picks, so on and so forth. Look at your money and just see where teams really place at going into the into the offseason. And what I would do is I guess I'm just going to go after the teams that don't make the playoffs and, and just go from there and just kind of, you know, give you guys the opportunity to see where they stand. Because um, a lot of these teams are just not going to make it. Uh, the Bears, just for example, the Bears have a top nine or actually a top 10 defense, but they're four and eight. So they've only won four out of their last 12. You know, that's not that's not going to cut it. Um, so but they have some pieces to build on. They're probably going to lose Robinson. I didn't understand why uh, they didn't trade him, get something for him. Um, a lot of teams, they they do this. They don't they don't. They'll just keep you and not get anything for you and then wonder why they don't have the trade capital to move up, move down in the draft and, and, and become better. Um, so that's going to be interesting. So tune in next week, episode three. We're going to talk about NFL. I'm also going to dive into a little bit more boxing. Um, and then I'm also going to uh, kind of get into prepare everybody for uh, the college bowl season. As I mentioned, some of those games, but each week we'll get into it, break it down, and just prepare for bowl season. Thank you, everyone. Have a blessed day. This is John Kirkland Show. See you next week.